right, so today we're continuing and we are concluding the discussion regarding bugs in the water that we began last week uh, following an actual incident on Maisa Shahaya here in the Kail. So the idea was, the premise is that we're trying to go through the foundations of the discussion, uh, in particular based on what uh, Rav Heller you know, maybe went and was Ma'ayan and Matriach and Siagea and this Sugya and he wrote it up, as we said, in Samachvav, then again in Ayan Bez, with some comparisons drawn to what some other Rabbanim also wrote about this at the time. So last week we began with the Yesai that comes before all the rest, which is things that are a question of things that are completely microscopic. And we, uh, just to give a quick uh, summary and overview, we said that uh, microscopic uh, creatures were discovered essentially for the first time in history in the 1600s after the invention of the microscope. And already then, someone was already noting there were, that there were trilayim in the vinegar, and then things moved along over time until around the year 1800, the Sefer Abris was the first one to be aware about it in a halachic context. And his maskana was that once it leaves the, once you pour it into food, it has a din of parish, that it, when, when it's part of the vinegar, so it was still neilad betalosh, so it's not a sharetz yet, but once it's parish from the vinegar into the food, according to Sefer Abris, it's already parish, it's already a sharetz, a sharetz, a So the only solution, according to the Sefer Abris, was to first boil it in order to kill them off and then to filter them out. And then we went through some of the responses that the Sefer Abris received. So number one was the bina sadam, chayad, and so who made three points. Number one, why did the Torah mention Chaimet, never mentioned there's a problem. Number two, the Torah doesn't ask for things that are only B'Kayach, not B'Poyal, although it seems that when he said that, he didn't quite fully understand what the nature of microscopic things are. He thought it was like the idea of like somehow seeing the potential chicken and the egg. And number three, even if you could see them, so no, that's a din in uh, Paiskim that uh, they're Nailad Butalosh and they're not Oster until they're Paidish. And he goes with the Shita that uh, he has a very extreme definition of what Paidish means, that it really has to leave the Kli altogether before you uh, give it a din Paidish. So, about the shock, so they did, you're eating bugs, it's not a problem if you can't see it while you're eating it. So, therefore, he says, no one ever had a problem with it, and he's not accepting this problem. The Mo'eri Ur. Another safer, the Malamakim of the Shagasari, writes a vart that it seems to him that these small creatures don't have any independent, they can't be Paitish. The second they're Paitish, they don't exist. They only exist within the Kemach and the Mayim, which also isn't necessarily uh, exactly correct. And then we got to the Pshlem Kluger. The Pshlem Kluger said two points. Bedika. Bedika is only Shaykh to whatever a person is able to be Paitish. But if it's Bederich Rachik, that's not a bedika. He was talking for the Gabba bedika to be match or something. And number two, the Zidaya, what do you mean? There's bugs in the water, there's bumps on the, the Shkita knife. We never paid attention to them. Here we see Balkarchach did the Iya Beklizu Lav Iya. We don't call it an Iya. You saw it? No, you didn't see it. That's not an Iya. So not Lahachmer, not Lahakum. So he didn't say that they don't exist, but he seems to be saying that the Badika is not a Badika, and the Re'iyah is not a Re'iyah. And we're only Mechoyev to act, to do Badikas, to do Re'iyahs, and to act according to those Badikas and Re'iyahs, and this is not a Badika, not a Re'iyah. Madame Shik, who was actually talking about bugs in the water, 
He said, of course, if there's a miyat hamotzu, you're supposed to check it. But from the Gemara and Shulchan Aruch, it sounds like that's not the case for water. And even if you say that there's some places that are more infested, but the way he says it is, if you're drinking by day and you can look and see if there are bugs, and if you don't see, you don't have to check any extra. So he introduces this line, so also seemingly along the same lines. We're not, he's not really addressing the question as to their existence. He's just saying we have a certain chiv to check, and we're human beings, so we check in accordance with our abilities as human beings, not as malach. Which is the simon, the relevant simon, and he, his line there is, What the I can't see. And then he gives this, uh, the guy, what about all the invisible things floating through the air every time you open your mouth? And he says, even if it's true, So he possibly goes the furthest. He has this line here, love klumu. So it almost sounds like he's saying taka on the other side of the coin. If you can't see it, maybe it's taka, not a thing. So... However you say it, this has been, of course, accepted as a yesoid in all kinds of shyness about things that might be possible if you look at them at a microscopic level. Um, sometimes we say, sometimes people use this word as well, when something comes into being on a microscopic level, even if later it grows and becomes visible, but we might uh, we might use this word and say we don't look at it. If, if the question is, in what way did it come into being? We won't say that we look at it the way it came into actually came into being on a microscopic level. We might consider it to have appeared and come into being the second it became visible to our eyes. That's another way to use this uh, idea. Now, before we continue, and of course, my main goal here is to get to the next point, which is the actual bugs in the water, which are, of course are not, no one's claiming they're completely microscopic. But I just want to address one more point. Seeing the light came over uh, after the shear through during the week to discuss a bit further what is talk of this gather. We, we, we keep on saying we, we ignore, we don't take into account things that are uh, microscopic, things on this resolution. But what, what does that mean? What is talk of the vart here? Right? You can explain it in different ways. Is it that's Pasha Tak and Adam at We don't, we just claim it doesn't exist on any level as far as Taita is concerned. Or is it a din in this iser? Maybe, maybe the the gidre iser is that it has to be a sharetz hashreitz alaretz, and part of sharetz hashreitz alaretz is that uh, you see it being sharetz alaretz. So if you can't be, you see it sharetz alaretz, it's something else. It's not the thing the Torah was talking about. There'll be another way of explaining it. Or is it just a word in the chiv habadika, like some of these mekredes we just quoted, sound like that you have a chiv to be baidik up to a certain extent. Past that, you don't have to be baidik. We're not addressing so much what the actual thing is. Some, you see in some svarim, they bring a quote that the Torah B'chalau was given L'fi Chushayadam. The Torah only exists and plays out on the plane of normal human senses. Right? So what exactly does that mean? How does that work? And part of the problem here seemingly is is that we don't have an old and ancient Chashava Makar that we can be medayak and say... Zoe, that's this is the exact gather of the of this Indian. Right? Because all we have essentially are a bunch of Akhrainim from the last 150 years. Now, of course, generally we rely on their psak. Um, and uh, especially in the, in cases where uh, it's basically impossible. We won't be able, when it comes to Tailoim. It's basically impossible. There is there is no other option, really. You can't be chayshish for every single microscopic being in the in the universe. 
And you have the Shtark Raya Bechlal, that if there was a problem, the Torah should have said something about it uh, a long time ago. So we have that. And we're relying on their Psaq. We do rely on their Psaq. But can we mamish extract from what they say? Can we extract a Klal, you say this to a Klal that applies to even if it's not a case of a chash is to what we just described? What if it's in other situations where there's something microscopic? Can we mamish? Do we have a, a clear mucker that tells us how we look at it? Love Nafka. So, Marshall, an example of this nafkamina would be recently I have a question of meat grown in a laboratory from stem cells. So, what din does this product have? Does it uh, have the din of meat? Does it have the din of behematayir, behematmeya, evermenachai? All of these questions. I don't as a side note, it happens to be that uh, in the last month or so, Dafka has been, after all the hype uh, for years and years, coming out and saying that the uh, Dafka, they, they ever see how they'll ever be able to actually create this at the scale and at a price point that's ever going to be uh, financially viable. So it could be the whole thing is uh, um, not every uh, not every hyped uh, upcoming product ever comes to the market, but. We're talking about it already for many years. Sir Tzvi Reisman likes to write about these types of things. So he wrote an article about this in one of the volumes of Tchumen that comes out every year with articles on a lot of topics. So among the points he raised, he raised this idea that maybe because the meat at the when it starts out in the lab, you're starting out with microscopic cells. The cells themselves are completely invisible to the eye. So maybe a piyalacha that would mean that we were not miyachas at its source because its source uh, didn't exist. A piyalacha came out of nowhere. So maybe it doesn't have bchalal the din of the meat uh, doesn't uh, retain that uh, din from the source. But hmm? yeah, yeah. But the, then there were uh, other Rabbanim who responded to his articles, and they, uh, they didn't agree on uh, many points. And one of the points they didn't agree with him on was on this point. Because maybe you could say, one way of saying it would be that Taka starts off microscopic, but then this cell itself replicates itself so much until it becomes visible again. And it's the same, it's the same chimer, it's the same material. It started off microscopic, and then it's not microscopic anymore, but it's the, still the same thing. So... That's a way of making the argument that it never really lost its actual qualities. Just for a while, you couldn't see it. You could see it, and you couldn't see it. You couldn't see it again. It's still the same thing the whole time. Another point that's raised is mainly when it comes to bugs. The whole part of bugs is we want to ignore it. We're not going to pay attention to it. We're not going to look at it. As far as we're concerned, it's not there. But when you're sitting in a laboratory and your whole job description in the laboratory is, I, what do I do? I sit and I look at microscopic things and I play around with the microscopic things. So if that's your, your whole tsuga and that's your whole approach here, that means you are being machshivit. This is what this is your line of work. You're being machshiv the microscopic. So in that, in that uh, field, in that tchum, that means that it does exist. And apparently, and then of course, ultimately it does reappear. And this is the quote of Shlomo Zaman Arabach. Shlomo Zaman Arabach was asked a similar question about kilayim. Um, right? You're playing around with, uh, you're taking cells from one bria uh, and you're mixing it. Uh, you're doing genetic engineering. All the genetic engineering is also happening on a very microscopic level. So does that mean that kilayim is fine? Shlomo Zaman said no, because you're dealing with these particles 
So that means that for the purposes of this process, it is Nidalei Nayim. Can't compare it to bugs. Which thing? Ah, Tom. That's its own. I saw people touching that as well. That's probably its own category, though. The Tom, the Pashtus, we believe that it's large enough that if you would see it, it would be visible. It's masked by the pot, but it's there. That's that's different than saying that on every single level, this is just a microscopic thing. We're not talking about minute microscopic amounts of flavor. We're talking about substantial amounts of flavor that are just not visible. I think it's different. Okay, that's its own discussion. But anyway, we see that it's not. It's far from being so simple and straightforward. It's not that uh, there's a clear marker that says that everything that's microscopic doesn't exist on, on every level. It's not quite that simple. And of course, those interested can always uh, be my eye and more. So getting back to the main question, which you want to talk about, assuming that you have to see something. Right, so to what extent is, is the, do we say this? And as we started saying last week, if you see a small black dot without any other details, does that mean you see it? Or do you have to see that this is the shape of a bug? And once you enter this territory, then you discover that there is, there, at this point, we already lose the complete agreement between Paiskin. You can already see the divergence. So I started saying this already last time, but we'll just start over again and go through the Indian. You look in Ur Yisrael, that first issue from Samach Dalet, where most of those who wrote about it wrote about it. So Chaim Oberlander, who we've quoted before, he writes there that very often you see just a small dot, looks like dirt, with the magnifying glass. You can see that it's a sheret. So he says, Ravai, who was the famous Machmer, who wrote the Sefer, B'dikas Amos and Kilchasai, so he quotes from Shlomo Zaman Erbach as saying that that's enough. Just the fact that you see the dot means that it's visible and it's awesome. So Oberlander responds and says, seems like it's a chedosh, when you mean when it's a turtle mach, and uh, before the magnifying glass was invented, what do you think happened? Of course, people ate it. So why should we suddenly change the halacha now? If the average person still doesn't see it, right? That should simply that should be the, the simple litmus test. What would have happened 200 years ago in this exact same situation? Right? Because sometimes there's plenty of discussions about teloyim of different sizes in Sfarim for the last many hundreds of years. Many, it's, you know, we don't lack for those discussions. So... If they discussed it, that means that they have something to say. We'll see, they're Mahmed, they're Mekel. But if it was non-existent to them, so that would probably be good proof. That would be, uh, we should continue uh, ignoring it. Then he quotes Shmeshavis Kochasa. I believe it's a quote from there, that this is actually a back and forth with Shlomo Zaman. When it comes to the aphids on the citrus fruit, so first they're from Shlomo Zaman Arabach, that if you can't reach a state that you can actually see the movement, the Chayusan, that there are, it's, a, it's a living being, and the fact that it's moving, crawling, so the Lukhaira, it's not in the category of Sharetz HaSharetz Al-Art. It's the idea that we mentioned, that possibly especially did in Sharetz HaSharetz. You have to see it. So even if Shlomo is thinking in this direction, and that's, that's part of the gad of Sharetz HaSharetz, but then if Shlomo Zaman changed his mind, he said he heard that from Chazanish, that he was Machmir about these particular aphids, and he heard that it depends on what phase of the aphid's life could be earlier on, it is more visible as a bug, or as it's, uh, the crawling is more visible, and then later they just stop crawling. So that's why he wasn't sure about, the, about those. But you see the chlalas from Shlomo Zaman that... Uh, in order for it to be a problem, you do have to be able to see bug-like activity. You have to get the sense from looking at it, oh, this looks like a bug. 
And if not, if it's just a dot, then it should be fine. That's even seeing the movement, never mind identifying it as a sharetz at all. I mean, it probably depends on the situation. In some cases, it's probably easier to tell that it's a sharetz, and in some, t- some cases, it's easier just to notice the movement. But either way, and then he quotes the Shevet Alevi, who's the big mocker, that the one quotes, it says that, oh, they have thousands of dots everywhere, and uh, there's no difference between those dots and regular dots. And those regular dots are not a chashash sharetz. You're going to tell me that... 500 dots that look like this are not achshash sharets. And 500 dots that look like that are achshash sharets. You go with your eye. Ultimately, you're always going to get down, bogged down in an argument in each case as to what the Metzias is. Who? I don't know if he was asked about strawberries. Again, I don't know what... Could be each row will come to a different conclusion about the Metzias as to what the visibility actually is anyway. Or they'll just say that's bimachmer because we don't know. That's part of the question, which Rabbi Heller is going to touch on in a second. Is you generally don't actually know uh, how you're going to be able to decide this strawberry is visible, and that strawberry it's not visible. So, but right now we're speaking in in Indian. In Indian, if it's not visible, it's just a dot. It should be fine. So then we said, if Oberlander concluded the Gabi the water, the Gabi these bugs in the water that in his mind, to his uh, perception. These look to regular eye as dirt, as dust. Not, they don't, no one thinks of them as bugs, even under the light. But I, uh, it seems like they were already there for many years before anybody noticed them. So that should be pretty good proof that uh, no one <laughs> identified them as bugs in their water. And it's only the it's only the external tools, the magnifying glass, that's being moiled the problem, not the not the naked eye. And that was his own impression when he checked it. He said. So he was ready to start saying maybe it's Wuhan not a problem. And then, but then he heard from the Askanim that in Bar Park, right, over there, they saw them. So, okay, if you say you, say you saw them, that's a different story. And also they argue that really they were visible to begin with. Then the chemicals are put in the water, so then they shrink, then you can't see them anymore. But that, really the issue started when they were visible. So that, that was why he didn't want to be Makel based on this idea. Right, to be sort of Heller, also starts off touching on this, and he says, "You see in Shulchan Aruch, bechlal the gather by shrots and bechlal is that it's not a shayra; it's called zman shuleiri chashu." One of the main opinion bechayra is that you have to see some movement. Other Yishayim say even chayas ba'alma if you see that it's a living thing. And that's not even a dimagabe seeing; that's just bechlal. What's the gather of a shayra? So Rabbi connects the two things and says that the same way. It's we've accepted you have to see the sharetz itself. So when we say that the sharetz has to either be visibly alive or, or visibly moving, that also has to be visibly lying. That's the word of Shlomo Zalman, and that's the word of the Shev Nalevi. The problem still will be, how will you ever decide this? How we, uh, What rules are we going to make now? We don't actually uh, know in each case what uh, is visible, it's not visible. So that takes you into the Miyatamatsu territory, which... Is its own discussion. Hopefully, we'll touch on it briefly at the end today. So, you wrote a verse from the, Shev- from the base of Ephraim that when you have a miyatamatsa and you're checking for Telayim, that's only if you know for sure that the Telayim are Telayim. The question is if they're here. But if there's a suffix on the sharetz itself, it's a suffix sharetz, then Sveikulakula. Rabbi points out there's a taz, and often a taz in Sivan Pedal, and it says that the Shulchan Aruch says that if you know the bugs come when it's mechuber, which of course is much more, much worse. So Shulchan Aruch says you have to check. So the Taz is medayak. Ah, so if it's only maslia betalosh, 
So that means that it's only going to become Osir if it's Pidesh. Right? It's Osir right away. But it's only Osir Lachash So that means you have a, a suffix on the Gansa Sharetz because you never know if it was Pidesh or not. So it's a suffix Sharetz, so you don't have to check for suffix Sharetz. So this idea, so we can use, you can apply that here as well. What's the suffix over here? The suffix over here, which it might also be if it was Pidesh, but the suffix we're talking about is we don't know if it moved or not. Is it a is it a moving sharet that's visible to the eye that it's a sharet or is it not? So I always have the suffix, so it could be we could uh, use this as a mark to say we don't have to check. If, if a little black dot is swimming and you see it moving around, you don't have to see that at the bottom. On the one hand, you can see that. Right. If I said in some cases, it probably it's easier to see the movement. In some cases, it's probably easier to see the. The fact that it's a bug. The question is, movement without seeing that it's a bug. I mean, dirt also moves in your cup. That's the nature is that things are moving. So Rabbi Heller concludes this portion of his discussion that uh, if you don't know for sure that it moved, that could already be enough of a reason to not require bedika l'rabim for small dots that we don't see the telas or the chayas. The question still is, what exactly is the Metzias here, Lagabe, the water? What is this water, these bugs, the copper pots? What's, how visible are they? So let's take a look at what the mothers wrote. Uh, right? Vabalan started off by saying he thought they were not particularly visible. They were basically dots. And then he said, but the others told him that they are. Um, so in the same issue, there's also an article by Shlomo Gross of Belza and Borough Park. He starts off by quoting the Shevet Alevi, and he frames it already. The Chiddush Gadol, the Shevet Alevi says, Chiddush Gadol, the dots are, are fine. He says, he responds right away by saying, in this case, it's not relevant because we saw, and we checked again, and it was Nisames Lonu, that these are Shrotzim, and you can see the Raglayim, and you can see the Karnayim, you can see the bug like characteristics. So uh, it's all mamish ben iyas ayin that it's not psilus but shratzim. So ibazay it's a sudam luchal hadayas, and uh, even if you take the shevet halevi, that's not relevant here. And um, but, but anyway, he then concludes by saying that he's not even makabel the shevet halevi's chiddush lahalacha. So you see, and he's probably not the only one. So you see that there isn't even a complete consensus that about this idea that the dots are uh, are not a problem. There are some that would, I should say, like Revai also, and it seems like Revai and that school of thought holds that if the dot is visible, that basically means that uh, you have to check with the magnifying glass. That's part of the debate here. And then there's also a debate over the Metzias as to how visible these uh, actual bugs in the water are. Now, part of the question here is also, let's say... If it's there and you look really carefully, maybe you could have to identify it. The question would still be, maybe it's sufficient to just take a quick look and to see if something jumps out at you right away. And that's what's mashma from the Madame Shik, because Madame Shik made it sound like if you're drinking by day in a cup where you can see clearly, and you can see if there's a bug or not, if you don't see, you let sarach bedika shema yesh but the Eisrim, like the sort of gross, I think, or, or maybe one of the other ones in, in that, wrote by the name of Rabbi Stritsky, they say that, no, 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 it must be by Ramshik was talking about some other kind of creature that happened to be, and that creature was very easy to see. And if you knew it, you didn't see that, you knew you were good to go. But today, when we know that the creature in, que- in question is a little trickier to see and to identify, and Avada, the Chiv Abedika, goes further because uh, you can see throughout the Paiskim, 
the history of t- the, the, the discussions in Allah over Taylorim, there's plenty of cases where they made it sound like you have to look carefully. Here's how you should look. Do this, do that. So where would this idea come from that you just take a quick look? But Arab Heller, after he already established the previous point, so then he goes on to another question of what if they're not really visible quite where they are right now? He starts off talking about paetus, and he says that if it's never visible on the fruits, in order to see, you could see it, but in order to see it, you first have to do something else. You have to soak it in water and separate it in water. So Abelard says that does not have a din sharat. So he says, and then he concludes, Lufiza hua din gam b'sharat samayim. Kozman shleimnikar b'toich hamayim lechash of sharat. So if there's, to some extent you would say it's not really something you would see by looking at the water. You have to filter it first. After filtering it, then it suddenly comes into it comes into your vision. You're able to see it comes into view. So as long as it's when you look at the water normally, you wouldn't see. You have to do something else in order to see it. Baita, he still hasn't fully clarified what he thinks the actual Matthias here is precisely with these bugs in the water, right? Because those who say that it's usher, uh, they seem to be saying, oh, it's very visible. You don't need a filter. You don't, you, don't need, you don't need to do anything. Anyway, now we get to the main chiddush of Rabbi Heller. And this is what I've heard also from others who are uh, familiar with the surge, familiar with what he wrote, that this is like the main, the crowning uh, argument that Rabbi Heller makes. It's based on what he found in a sefer called Minhage Maharash. Who's the Maharash, the first Maharash? So, Menachem Arash is one of the works of the late Rishonim of Ashkenaz, who lived at the, be- the end of the 1300s and the beginning of the 1400s. And just a side historical note, even though Al-Khaira, we know that Yidin overall lived in Ashkenaz continuously, more or less, with some uh, you know, strong, you know, major traumatic events, but they were never quite expelled from Ashkenaz. But it actually turns out that if you watch, if you want to trace the you can see there's actually like on times and off, on and off, there's breaks in Taira activity in Germany. So for example, at the end of the, the period of the Bali Atoisvis and the Hasid Ashkenaz, Hasid and the which is the beginning of the 1200s, so between that and between Maram Rottenberg and his Talmidim, so those who researched it notice that there's actually like a, a missing generation there in the middle. And then Avada afterwards, it's even clearer that after the Maya of Madame Rottenberg, at the end of the 1200s, and then the rush fleeing Germany in 1303, there's also a gap, there's a break in, in Taita. And then at the end of the, third, the second half of the 1300s, then you see another generation of Gedele Taita. But each time this happens, if you pay attention, you can notice that there's like a yesh, ayin yesh type of situation. And the, 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 the surah of the Torah that comes afterwards is like a totally different surah than what came before. It's not a, a hamshach. So what happened then? So the, from that kufa, the end of the 1300s, the beginning of the 1400s, so the fame, most famous one is the Ma'aril. Ma'aril is the Talmud of, of these G'dayalim from the end of the 1300s. Baril's Chavers of Isaac Turner, those are two names you hear a lot. Der Rabbeim, that sort of restarted the Taira in, in Germany proper, are Rabbi Avram Kloisner and Rabbi Shalom Neustadt, who themselves were actually in Austria, not in Germany proper. In the last few decades, Machen Yudishalayim, Mifal, Teres Chachme Ashkenaz, so they published all of these Chiburim, uh, and then you're able to sort of get a picture as to the Torah at this time. 
And when you look in the Ramah and Shulchan Aruch, everyone knows the Ramah brought Teiras Ashkenaz, the Psak of Ashkenaz, into Shulchan Aruch. So a tremendous percentage of it comes from this uh, group of Svar. So anyway, that's just to give some concept of Menagem Arash, even though it's not a household name, but it's Tafka, essentially very Choshev. And of course, Rabbi wants you to agree with that because it's very central to the point he's about to make. So Menagem Arash, Minoishtat, Simitov Samach Dalit, it says that there was a Chacham by the name of Merkel, Reb Merkel. And he asked Reb Shalom, the Marash, about a be'er, ktanim, and then there are some unclear words over here. It says like tziva, palsa, or something like that. So, uh, the color, and plasa is like blas, like in Yiddish today, blas means pale. So, means that they were of a very pale color, which is very much like what we're talking about in the scenario today. Mechayin Yishalayim, I think, just says, not sure what these strange words are, and they leave it at that. It seems like a reasonable uh, interpretation, perhaps. I think it's common in these Sifri Ashkenaz, sometimes you have like, these mysteriously written words. And it says, Ve'enam nirim, ela b'sha'az richas ha'shemesh. Also fits with that. You can only see it when the sun is shining directly into it. So, as Talmud asked him, what's the story? And his rabbi, told him, you're allowed to drink from that be'er. The question was regarding a well. You're allowed to drink from that be'er. And you can even rinse other things with it. Not a problem at all. Like every other be'er. That's all it says. But seemingly a pretty direct uh, question about a, about a situation that sounds like our situation. This could be said. There's been discussions about Teilayim for the last many hundreds of years. And generally it seems that even if it's only visible in the sun, it seems overall, and in Maragam Arash, they write on the bottom, Tarachim, since when is that the standard? That if you only see it in the sun, it's fine. If there's just good light, that should be enough to be machmer, to, to aser. So Rebbe comes along and, and creates from this mocker, Agansa Teira, there's a special din in Sheret Samayim. He says, Marash Kamash Malon, a special din in Teodah Samayim. That if you can't tell the difference between the Sheretz and the Mayim, by, by, by looking at it, you also won't be able to feel it if you just stuck your hand in. It has no independent existence. We just consider it like water. So that means that if it's mixed in the water and they're not noticeable, then the kuliyama will be mashlam shir memsa. Oh, be mashlam the shir nevius v'natilas yadayim. And even if you know based on other external information that the water is full of these tailayim, you don't have to filter them because they're bottled to the water and they have shemayim. And it's no worse than the halacha that's already established about dirt in the water. The dirt in the water is mashlam the shir. What's the pshat? So he. When it comes to Shinoi Mara, which is another issue you could have with foreign substance in the water. So the, the word there is that the Ein Mara offer Chash of Shinoi Mara Bahamayim because Gidu Hamayim, who offer Vitit. Water comes along, you take a scoop of water, there's likely to be a certain percentage of dirt, particles, etc. In the water, that's the nature of water, that it has some extraneous stuff in it, and that's still what we call water as a whole. 
And for that reason, we would say, Taka, that that's why it's even mashlim the shear of water. Mamish acquires all the properties of water. The Metzias is mispatala hamayim, it has the Metzias shalmayim, and not, not even just a din mayim, linyan shear, memsot. Mamish Metzias shalmayim. Compares it to shmarim, drugs in the wine, that if you take them out, if you isolate them, it's not wine, but if it's in the wine, it's mashlam ashir revias. There's also the bran in the in the flour. If you make a, a dough out of bran itself, it's not lechem. But if it's in the flour, it's mashlam ashir kazayas. So you see these concepts in different places. She says, Abazai, the sharat samayim is no worse than offer vitit. It has shemayim through the mixture. And even if you could filter them out, they're still bottle and they have shemayim aleim because they grow there and they're always there and they mix in it very well. So by Bazaar, we can extend that to Achila as well. That has shemayim. I, it's visible to the sun, in the in the sunlight. That's not enough. And he's been to a similar question in the Shalos of Shuvas David Misharim at Shabiner. Mentioned them once before. The David Misharim Chelag Aleph and Simon Yitzayin was asked about uh, rainwater from the roof for a mikveh. And on the way down, it's normal rainwater, it shouldn't have a color, but there's something yellow on the roof somewhere along the way. And uh, it gets yellowish as it flows down from the roof. So in the next, that's, he discusses it there. And then the next time he says that I already saw, apparently they brought him a specimen, an actual jar of the water. And when I saw it, it looks like Maya Mamish. How did you even have a question? What you did was, you did a comparison. You took a bowl of this, a cup of this, and you took a cup of normal rainwater straight from the sky. And then you notice the difference. That's not enough of a difference. And there's a Magen Avram in the Esrik. It says in the Shlokhan Aruch that from the Chaitim and on, then Kol Shine Mare is Poisel Bokoshu. The Magen Avram says, Shine Mare. Things this word from the Mabit that in this case it has to be clearly visible to most people. That's when it comes to things that are totally bimare. So the same thing here. Most people just see the water, they won't notice anything. You have to go out of your way and check and compare. That's not a problem. So Abel is making a tzushtel and saying it's the same thing that the sunlight in this case. The sunlight is just showing you something that you really wouldn't see. I, we see Achreinim were machmer in water and other situations. So either that was other flies that fell in, nothing to do with the creatures of the that dwell in the water. Or they were talking about ones that are taka very noticeable. Or it's a situation in which there was Paydash and then it went back in. Then you have to get into that discussion. But he concludes, then he adds another point that addresses the argument that, oh, really, they were visible to the chemicals. He says, if in the Be'er, the Terloim are not nicker without uh, special sunlight, so we already established in the Marash that you're allowed to drink directly from the Be'er, because as long as the as long as long uh, it's not nicker, it doesn't have shame sharets. So Abazai, when it's still there, and then you put the chemicals in, and then they shrink, so that means they never had a shame sharets. If the chemicals, if the chemicals are entered at this stage, where according to Marash, you can still drink directly from the be'er because it's uh, not visible to a regular person in a regular situation, and then you put in the chemicals, and then it shrinks it, and then it becomes invisible. Uh, 
So then I never had the shame sharetz in, in the first place. If it was the first had it in sharetz and then you uh, shrank it, so that's their argument. He's saying never had a shame sharetz to begin with. He just explained this whole malach. The question, though, still is what is considered visible, right? In this case, like you said, dafke the movement is more visible than, essentially than the actual tzura sharetz. Says v'tzarech here. But as, he says, as long as it's only something that's visible in special light, it should be a heterogomer according to Maharash. He concludes that, and that's if you can mamish see something, but if you can only see dots, then it's even better. And if well, you need extra training, but a normal person would identify them even in the sun as dots, so then in in, uh, in places where it's not even little dots. So it seems like, even though he doesn't say fully clearly, it sounds like this is where he thinks he's describing the Metzius, his version of the Metzius, as to how visible these creatures actually are. Now he goes on to talk about other things. We have to conclude, and, uh, and we'll leave the topic at that. And he touches on other things, the marshal. Let's say it's also only when it's Paitish. It's a Sharetz HaMayim. So the question is, once it's Paitish, is it because it's now a Sharetz HaMayim? Or when it's when it was in the water, it didn't have a sharetz. It didn't sharetz a mine. When it's paidish, it then becomes a sharetz a sharetz al If you say that, and apparently most rishonim say that, then in bazoi, if it can't survive outside of the water, that means it never has the gather of sharetz a sharetz al And here we get to the big question, which is that the halacha is that shratzim in the oceans and the rivers, natural uh, springs, etc., they are ostrim shum sharetz a right away, similar to the talash mechover idea. Um, so then it's also right away. If it's in a bar, then it's mamish not moving at all. So then it's mamish not, it doesn't have a din sharetz And only once it leaves, the, the mainstream view is that then it becomes a sharetz sharetz al The question is, what about the charitz and hamoishtim? You have some kind of concentration of water that moves to some extent, but it's not a natural uh, body of water. That's where the question is going to be. And that's where a huge discussion of the, uh, the water here as well comes into that. Chaim Orbelander and his essay seem to be nice and more to say that based on his understanding of the reservoirs and the rivers and the rainwater and the pipes, and it gets very, very exciting. Lots of Rabbanim went down uh, personally on boats, on tour of the reservoir to figure out exactly what's going on there. Is it a din charet? Is it a din bar? When, which stage were the shrats and noyla? You'll have different opinions. Menakata, lakata. Um, so that's, we're not getting into that. Uh, but that's another important uh, aspect of the discussion. And then we only have one minute left, but part of the discussion is also about miyatamatsu. The chlaw, when it comes to miyatamatsu, there's a big machlekes. The way it's usually given is the rivash says miyatamatsu is close to half, 49%. That's already a miyatamatsu. The Mishkanis Yaakov, many hundreds of years later, says that it's one out of ten. If it's one out of ten, it's already a miyatamatsu. How does he get that? That's, we're not getting into the, the pratim. The question is, what do we consider miyatamatsu? So there's a big range. Some might say Taka, we should be more make like the Rivash. Some would say we should be Machal the Mishnah Yaakov. Some would be Machal even more. He says, Ravai says that even if it's Mamish, it's very small, but if you know consistent that it's there, we have, you know, Claudia Diaz, we know what's going on, then even that would be a Miyatamatsu. So anyway, he, uh, Ray Heller says that practically when you have houses, every house is its own story. You can't say Miyatamatsu and the other house affects this house. Every house has its own gather. And even in a house itself, if you you're supposed to filter, especially if you see that there might be a problem. But if you can't filter based on all the different issues you raised, it's not the end of the world. And that's what apparently many are being saying on when it comes to this halacha. Have good chance.
Yeah. 